Jonah chapter 1 verses 4 through 6. We, it seems like it's been a month since I've been up here uh, talking about Jonah. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Tom reminded me, hey, you know, you asked me to share my mission trip. And he asked me that, told me that on Sunday morning, reminded me. And I was like, yeah, of course I did. He was here and then Labor Day, so I feel like we've been gone for a while. So we've, we talked about Jonah, we talked about Nineveh and who they were, uh, we've moved through the verse, first three verses and Jonah running from God, not really thinking he could hide, but just thinking he could get, uh, in a place where he no longer heard, you know, get, get out of that environment so that it wasn't just constant everywhere he was, God, 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 so that, uh, if I go somewhere where God isn't, or at least isn't talked about much, um, I can I can put all this behind me. Well, well, it didn't work out for Jonah, uh, as we know. He's on the boat. He's uh, fleeing from the Lord's presence. We we talked about how it's it, it, it could be the case that Jonah was in such a uh, 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 was so determined to get as far away as possible. We saw on the map that he went as far away in the known world as he could get just about it and still be uh, in, in the known world by boat. Uh, the other end of the Mediterranean Sea, it's very possible he bought the boat, uh, just sold everything he had just so he could get out of, uh, get out of town, uh, get away from God and away from the calling. So, we get to verse 4. God's found him, never lost him, but uh, he's found him, and now he is about to send forth some discipline in verse 4. We'll read verses 4 through 6. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, uh, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. All right, so that's that's the, 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 the scene here. The boat's rocking and rolling roiling on the sea and uh jonah's asleep apparently oblivious to it all what he is the 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 issues he's caused not just in his life but in other people's lives not just nineveh whom he has refused to take the gospel gospel to or the the message of god to the good news of repentance but now these sailors and, and others, they, he, he's, he's left pagans in, in Assyria to their doom, to their damnation. And now if these men in this boat sink and die in the Mediterranean Sea, he has led them to their damnation. Come on, Jonah, you're a prophet, and here you are very possibly sending scores and hundreds and thousands of people to hell. Now, it's God's going to get his attention here. The Lord, verse 4, the emphatic position. You remember we've talked about this in both Greek and Hebrew. Uh, Greek even more so than Hebrew, but Hebrew as well. You can play with word order in, in order to, to make 
a point, and you can put certain words at the beginning of the sentence, whereas you might have put them uh, later on in the sentence, in order to make the uh, this this emphatic point. And that's what this is. This is God demonstrably interrupting Jonah's plans. Has God demonstrably interrupted your plans lately? Uh, I would hope so. I hope God interrupts you regularly. I hope you're attuned to God. Now, in this case, Jonah was not. Jonah wasn't expecting to hear anything from God. Jonah thought he was getting off scot-free. And, and God inserts himself into the narrative. What I hope, though, is that we are always looking and waiting and, and, and hoping that God's going to show up in the midst of our day. God, interrupt me should be our prayer. Let me move from my uh, my almost mindless sometimes uh, um, repetitious life. And I know, you know, we all have jobs or had jobs where, you know, it wasn't mindless. I'm not saying your job's easy. Uh, but what I'm saying is sometimes we can get so used to our daily routine that any time God interrupts it, that's how we see it. It's an interruption. God, what are you doing? I was busy. I don't have time to talk to people about you. I don't have time to show somebody your love. God needs to be able to, we need to expect God and hope that God would interrupt us. That's what he does here. He demonstrably interrupts the narrative. The Lord hurled. This is the same word in Hebrew that we would use for throwing a spear. So it's, I mean, I, I kind of envision this, uh, you know, Nolan Ryan kind of thing with God. He's, he's, you know, checking the sign. He, he's got, yep, there's, there's Jonah. And he winds it up and he hurls a wind at this boat. I mean, we're, we're given this image because of the, 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 um, exact Nature of what God was doing. God aimed at Jonah. This wasn't happenstance. This wasn't, they were out for a sale, and lo and behold, just kind of blew up a breeze. No, this was God doing something directly in Jonah's path. And, and not, I mean, he was, he was getting Jonah's attention. This is, this is vibrant language. And I think maybe we, we're, we're care, if we're not careful, we miss it. God does not let us get away. God doesn't let us go quietly. Now, Jonah would have had a number of options here. And later on, he could have told the, the guys in the boat, I don't know, not me. You know, and they could all have gone down with the ship and, and who knows what, could have, what would have happened. He had some, some options, but, but God was going, going to get his attention and he was going to know whatever came next... That this right now was God telling him, you've got a job to do, Jonah, and I'm not going to let you get away without realizing you've got something to do. You are running from me, and I'm not just going to let you get away with it. God, chase us when we run from you. God, hurl something in our path to get us back, should be our prayer. He hurled this violent wind. We see here that... uh, yeah, the, 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 the violent wind, we see later on a violent storm, we see nature obeying. This is important. 
We're going to see this over and over and over. And as a matter of fact, we'll uh, talk about it just a little bit uh, later on. The wind obeys. God takes this wind and he directs it at God. And the wind does what it's supposed to. The ship, we're going to find out here in a couple of minutes, does what it's supposed to. The fish, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks or so, or next week maybe, does what it's supposed to. The the men on the boat do what they are supposed to. Ninevites do what they are supposed to. The vine does what it's supposed to. The worm does what it's supposed to. And what do we see from the man of God? Right here, right now. Not doing what he is supposed to. Nature obeys. Uh, inanimate objects obey. Pagans obey. And the man of God does not. And we see this over and over. The ship, it says, under this wind, under this violent wind that, the God, that God has emphatically hurled at Jonah is threatened uh, that that word is interesting. Uh, the the word threatened there actually means more considered or planned. It, the the ship was determined to break apart, and that's why I say the ship was doing what it was supposed to. The ship caught in this in this uh, uh, this this wind, this storm. The, the 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 writer uses personification to to for us to hear this ship obeying. Obeying what the storm was telling it. I, I, I have to break apart. I have no choice. The, the ship is actually communicating its own terror to the people on the boat. And, and I'm telling it like this because if we read Jonah for the however many umpteenth time we've read it, we miss that imagery, that, that, that violence of the language, that, that, uh, the fear, the, the, the terror that we find out here in the next verse, Jonah was sleeping through. While everybody was doing what they were supposed to, while everybody was ripping, uh, was, was having their, their souls or their selves ripped apart by the fear of this storm, Jonah's asleep. So we see here that the wind obeys and, and, and the ship obeys. And in verse 5, it says the sailors were afraid. The ship threatened to break apart. It's communicating its terror. The sailors are now communicating their terror. They were afraid and, and each cried out to his God. Why? Why did they call out to, to, to their God? See, these are, these are seasoned, hardened sailors. They've been through storms before. And they've probably been through some pretty bad storms. But in this storm, the sailors obviously see a supernatural hand. Or at the very least, they feel real uneasy about this storm. This isn't like the other storms they've been through. And these pagan sailors who worship their God, who is really no God at all, doesn't tell them a thing, has not ever communicated to them in any way, shape, form, or fashion... They immediately start crying out to their gods because, you know what? This is not like a storm I've ever experienced before. The sailors 
obeyed. They were obeying the wrong gods, but they obeyed. They understood, I have a responsibility in the midst of this episode in life. There's something I'm supposed to be doing, and it is, at this point, crying out for my life to the God that I serve, whatever the God that is, that he or she or it might save me. Now, clearly, obviously, we know this was misdirected prayer. Didn't get past the sails, did it? It was pointless. There was no God that they were crying out to by, by those names. The, the true God may have heard them, but he's not known by those names. He's known by one name, and the one person who, who knew that name was asleep, not worried about everything that was going on around him. Jonah, or whoever wrote this down, goes on to tell us they were afraid. They cried out to their God, uh, his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to, to lighten the load. They hurled the cargo. We've, we've heard that word already. God hurled the wind. So, in response, the, the uh, sailors hurled the cargo. In a, in a little while, or next week or so, we'll see the sailors hurl Jonah into the sea. And then, then later on, we will see the fish hurl Jonah back onto the beach. It's this same language that we miss. I miss. I don't speak Hebrew. I took a couple of semesters of it, but let me tell you how much I remember. There, I'm done. Um, at least to to quote it, to speak it, and to hear the beauty of it, I, no, I can't do. So we have to look at these things and see them. All this hurling going on, the violence of the storm, the, the ship screaming its terror, and where is Jonah? Asleep, ignoring it all. I, I'm, I, I see us. I see me. In Jonah, I see me comfortable where I am a lot of the time. Comfortable sleeping while the world screams in terror as it is ripped apart by its own sin. And I'm fast asleep in my little cocoon of warmth and Jesus loves me and I'm not willing to go outside my doors and take the love of Jesus to those who are crying out to gods who cannot answer to save them when they have no power to save and yet I'm the one who knows the God who can't save. I'm the one who has the message that can share with them how to be saved and yet I'm asleep deep in the hold of the ship. Too much like Jonah sometimes. So they, they, they hurl this cargo, they, they throw it out, and, you know, any number of options here, uh, that was this a lack of trust on their part? I'm praying to my God, but you know what? Just in case, let's throw this stuff out. Possibly, very likely, their gods had not shown themselves to be all that dependable in the past, I'm certain. Was it a sacrifice? There's some... Some scholars that believe this was, they were sacrificing the stuff. Not, not, you know, we're willing to sacrifice it to save our lives, but they were giving it to the sea gods. Here, you can have this if you'll just calm down. Or maybe it was just wisdom on the part of sailors, which is very likely as well. We want to raise the ship so it rides higher in the water. We hit the waves at a higher point, and that way we have less coming over the, the sides. Whatever the case, 
the sailors were terrified and only knew a couple of things to do, and they were doing them. Jonah, in verse uh, 5, meanwhile, had gone down to the lowest part. Remember, he went down to Joppa. Uh, Then when he paid the fare, he went down uh, into the ship. And once he got down into the ship, he went down into the lowest part. Remember, I talked about how this is just a progression of Jonah going further and further and further down until he hit rock bottom, or in his case, sandy bottom, uh, at the bottom of the sea. And God began to bring him back up. Jonah had gone down. The word there is uh, yarad. And, and again, we don't we don't get this in in English, but uh, uh, one commentator explained it very very well. <clears throat> he said Jonah's deep sleep is the the bottom of a of a quick slide from a prophet in the presence of the Lord in Israel. That's what Jonah was in Second Kings to deadly indifference in the hull of a sinking ship. The Hebrew uses the same word root to describe how Jonah went down to Joppa. Yarad. He went down to Joppa. He went aboard the ship. Yarad. He had gone below deck. Verse 5. Yarad. When he falls into a deep sleep. Yeradam. You can kind of hear the connection there using the same Word The Hebrew words are a play on similar sounds, Yarad, Yaradam. And the second root, Radam, is repeated by the captain who says, How can you sleep near Radam? So, again, in English, we just miss it. We miss the beauty of this. But the author is letting us know, letting us see that progression. Down, 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 down. And even the captain, as we're going to see in a minute, like, how could you get so far down is basically what the captain is asking. You know he's asking that, but that's, that's basically what he's asking. And it means something even more than, than he could have imagined. As deep as he could get, he's still hiding from God. I, I don't know what he thought. Can I get, if I just go deep enough in the boat, God can't see me? I, there, there's, it just doesn't make sense, does it? I, I, I still, I fumble with this mentally myself how can he run from god but i i wish i were better though uh than jonah and and all too often i think i, I feel like I, I hope that i can hide my sins from god oh if i don't talk about it with him if i don't think about it too much on and on then you know then i'm okay right i, I it, it, he no no it's stupid it just really is dumb that we could think we could hide our sinfulness, hide our disobedience from God. We're, we're not that, that better from, than Jonah, I'm afraid. He, he went down into this boat. He's gone down as deep as, I, as he can, and he's in this deep sleep. This uh, what, did, uh, what was the word I, I used? Uh, Neradam. Uh, this, this, uh, or rather, let's say the deep sleep was... Uh, yeah, Yeradam was the, the deep sleep. Neradam was how can you sleep? This is the same sleep that God describes, or that Genesis describes, God putting Adam under when he created Eve. Interesting, 
that that same word is used. Um, not necessarily that uh, that God has done this to Jonah. That's not the intent. It's just it is that deep of a sleep. And I just wonder how. And 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 commentators wonder how. Could it be some sort of depression that put him in this sleep? If you've ever been depressed and not not even clinically, just you know a bad few weeks or a couple of months. At least when I'm when I'm down about something, my my response is. I want to sleep. That's just what I do. Is that is that what Jonah was going through? Is some sort of depression that he was sleeping? There's a, a psychologist, psychiatrist have studied. There's a fear response uh, for some people that they go into a deep sleep in in case it's almost catatonic uh, in, in in instances of of great fear. Or is it is it so sad that Jonah is that relaxed, running from God? that be it? I hope not, but I'm, I'm afraid maybe some of us can get so comfortable in disobedience that we don't recognize it anymore when we're being disobedient. That, that, we, can, that we can sleep through our own disobedience. We can sleep through the chaos, the, the, the pain, the turmoil, and the torment that our own disobedience causes other people. I, I know this happens in, in churches sometimes. That people get so wrapped up in their, their own desires, their own wishes, their, their own sinfulness in a church, that they don't see that what I'm doing is not just hurting the few, but it's hurting the entire church and the entire mission that God has called the church to. And sometimes folks are so comfortable with what they're doing that they think, oh, I'm actually helping the church. I'm doing a good thing by sinning in this instance. It, it, it happens. We, I think we've all gotten there at some point. We've all fallen into such a deep sleep in our disobedience that we, we miss how we're hurting those of us around us. Or those around us. So, in this deep sleep... Jonah's gone down to the lowest part. Verse 6, the captain approached. The captain knew that Jonah could help. The captain understood that it's, uh, there was something he could offer uh, uh, to, to save the ship. It, it's possible that he only recognized, uh, well, it's obvious he only recognized hands to work and a new God to pray to. There's, there's no indication that the captain understood that Jonah was a servant of Yahweh and therefore now his prayer will work. It's more of a, hey, look, dude, we got to try something. You can come help us throw stuff. And while you're at it, talk to whatever God it is you serve and let's see if something doesn't get uh, get us out of this mess. So he goes down, he approaches Jonah. We see in verse 6, and he says, what are you doing sound asleep? Remember, he's that word carries that that poetry of, of the the other words that they've they've used what do you what are you doing sound asleep get up call interesting if we go back to verse one or rather verse two god tells jonah get up go very similar the get up is the same the go was the command from god 
the captain commands him to call upon this God that the captain has no idea, but Jonah is running from, determined not to serve. Same command in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Unbeknownst to the captain, this was a, an attempt to reverse Jonah's direction. This was God using someone outside of Jonah's normal sphere of influence to get him back on the track that he was supposed to be on. God does that in our lives. God uses things that we might be surprised about in order to get us back, to call us back to where we are supposed to be. Uh, He can use a pagan ship captain to get a prophet back where he's supposed to be. He can use any circumstance in our lives, some form of discipline, like we talked about this morning, to get us back to where we should be. So he says to him, get up, call to your God. Maybe this God, this guy, this, this, this captain actually has more, I won't say faith, but I will say more active knowledge, more used knowledge of God of or of God's than Jonah. Well, what do I mean by that? First, this guy knew he couldn't control the gods. Jonah has in mind here that he can in some way control Yahweh, the God who created everything, by running from him. God wants me to do this. I don't want to do that. I will control this situation by running from God. Made perfect sense to Jonah, but to this captain, he understood we can't control the gods. Maybe if you pray, maybe your God will do something about the storm, but we're kind of stuck with whatever the God or gods decide. Jonah is thinking at this point, well, thinking as he went down to the ship and then went down into the ship, that he could control God somehow. God won't force me to do this. God won't interrupt my life with with his call, his burden that I don't want to do. He knew he couldn't control the gods. This, uh, this captain, second thing he knew was he knew that a god was responsible. He, they, they've, they've decided at this point, it, it's, this isn't just weather. This isn't just, uh, you know, something that normally happens. And you have to understand, uh, the, these, these sailors of this day, the sailors today, they know the weather better than, than our weathermen do. You, you put somebody who has lived on the sea, on the sea, and they know hours, maybe even days ahead of time, what's going to happen in the coming days because they can read the signs. These guys would have known this storm was not supposed to happen. This wasn't something that was expected. This wasn't in the charts. This wasn't in the almanac. This, this what we didn't see the wind shift. We didn't see this. We didn't, we didn't see that. We did. This is not something that normally would have come across our path on the way to Tarshish. This guy knew that a God was responsible and somehow, uh, this captain knew, well, the fact that he'd have been asleep, this guy knew that Jonah hadn't talked to his God, hadn't called out to his God. Get up, Jonah. Call out to your God. See, it's sad to say, but often unbelievers have more faith in our God than we do. No, yeah. How many times have you 
been confronted by someone, been asked by someone to pray for something in their lives, and you think, all right. Case in point, for us, it, it was a, it was a difficult decision for us to make, uh, but we went to uh, international mission training in London. That wasn't a difficult decision to make. Um, when we were in our previous church and we were embracing an unreached, unengaged people group in Spain as a church, Etta and I went to training in London. And one of the things we were supposed to do is at every break, anytime we went out and some specific breaks for this, we were supposed to strike up conversations with people. Uh, waiter, waitress, go in stores. And, and we were supposed to, our, our, our homework during the day was to guide that conversation in a spiritual direction. We were practicing. Europe is is post-Christian. It's very difficult to, to have spiritual conversation. Well, you can have spiritual conversations, but it's not the spiritual we would think about, not our spirit. It's a totally different spirit most of the time. And in one restaurant that we went to uh, a couple of times, I believe her name was Maria, and she was from Spain, which was just kind of interesting because our people group was in Spain, and here we were talking to this Spanish, young Spanish lady uh, in London, literally across the, the park from where we were.